Welcome to the Dry Bones Ministries podcast, where we strive to provide great preaching and teaching so that listeners will discover or rediscover the goodness, truth, and beauty of our Catholic faith. If you are interested in supporting the work we are doing, visit us at drybonespgh.org or follow us on social media at drybonespgh. Thanks for joining us. We hope that you are inspired, uplifted, and encouraged. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Dry Bones Ministries special podcast series on the Litany of Trust. My name is Father Adam Potter, and today we arrive at day 28, just a couple days left to go. And we pray this really powerful and uh, petition that gets to the core of our faith, and it's the ability to call Jesus Christ Lord. So today we pray that you are my Lord and my God. Jesus, I trust in you. In a very real way, this is the ultimate expression that any single one of us would be able to say. In the Gospels, it's highlighted in several different places. Some uh, are seen implicitly by their own lives, the way that they respond to really accepting, believing, and submitting to Jesus Christ as his disciple. Others, it's with these beautiful proclamations of faith. We'll look into the really beautiful encounter of St. Thomas, who is able to remove all doubts that Jesus Christ really did die and rise for him and to place his own finger into the wounds of Jesus. And from that, he's able to say, my Lord and my God. So this is everything that we would hopefully desire to be able to not only say, but live. St. Paul, in his letter to the Philippians, says it most profoundly, that this is the reality, that whether or not some people agree with it or don't agree agree with it, no, we, we see very clearly that this is who he is. For Jesus Christ did not deem equality with God something to be grasped. Rather, he emptied himself, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human appearance, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name which is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven, on the earth, and under the earth, and every tongue confess to the glory of God the Father, that Jesus Christ is Lord. Beautiful, right? That's Philippians 2, um, 7 through 11. This this vision of, this is who Jesus Christ is, and in capturing what he's done for us, leaving the Father in heaven, coming down to the very depths of our humanity, of our enslavement to sin, dying this most wretched death on a cross and through his obedience is able to be raised up in the glory that every single one will have to acknowledge that he is the Lord. For those who acknowledge him, salvation is available and those who reject it are given their due punishment of damnation. Now, this is is the important thing that we see in the Gospels. This is not just about uttering a creed, a slogan, a line. 
Jesus Christ is very clear about saying that not just anyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father in heaven. This is a very stark, difficult line from Jesus, that that he would acknowledge that there are some who might want to look for a password or might want to look for, what's the line? What do I have to say? And it's like, Lord, Lord, right? Saying the right thing. You're Lord. But they have not actually lived it. Only those who do the will of my Father are the ones who will enter the kingdom of heaven. So this petition is everything that hopefully you can see, that I'd be able to pray that you are my Lord and my God. Jesus, I trust in you. That this would be something that I I would not only say, but that it would be integrated into my entire mind and my heart, my life, all of my relationships, all of the pursuits that I have, that he would be Lord of my marriage, of my family, of my children, of my grandchildren. He would be Lord of my friendships. He would be Lord of my extracurricular activities, of my hobbies, of my passions. He would be Lord of my work. He would be Lord of my bank account, my phone, my, what I view, what I listen to, what I splurge on, that he would be Lord of everything is no small thing. And maybe we can appreciate in light of drawing some of those things out where trust comes in, right? Because it's not just enough to acknowledge God, it's you, but it's acknowledging that he's good that God is a good father who sent his son, who is his love in the Holy Spirit to come and to win our hearts back to him. So many of us, whenever we, we look at this petition, we can resist because we love to put ourselves in that position of being Lord. And even if we wouldn't say it, I'm the Lord of my life, we act like it. We're the ones that we consult when I think about how I'm going to spend my day, we consult ourselves in terms of what I want to be when I grow up or what I want to do or how do I want to invest my talents or my resources, right? Who do we consult? Ourselves. And even if we look for help or counsel, we still trust ourselves to make that decision of who we're going to trust. And meanwhile, it's like the Lord wants to be that. He wants to be the king and ruler of every aspect of our life. Is he trustworthy? Is he trustworthy? Here's where this Philippian hymn of recognizing the way that he empties himself, that he humbles himself, goes to this lowest possible place of obedient death, even death on a cross, so that the Lord Jesus Christ can show, reveal to us that he is trustworthy that he's not out for any gain or glory for himself. This isn't an ego trip that he's on to try and get as many subjects as possible to to bow down to. He doesn't need it. As we've talked about before, he is perfected already in glory from all eternity. He gets nothing from our obedience in a a certain way of speaking. And so for us to, to realize as we look upon the cross, we're reminded of this glorious humble, self-emptying invitation to see that he's not in it for anyone else other than you and me. 
one of the most profound moments in the scriptures that I've spent a lot of time praying about and pondering is this moment in the crucifixion and his last breath, where in Mark's gospel, it's captured that there was this centurion who was there at the foot of the cross. And now you have to understand, as hopefully you do, or to appreciate centurions of the Roman army, of the Roman empire, were very familiar with Roman crucifixions. This was not something out of the ordinary. They did it all the time. Roads going in and out of Rome and their major cities would be lined with crosses of different criminals who would be crucified. So this was an intimidation thing that the Roman Empire would do to really send a message to anyone who would try and come at them, undo them, that this is our power. We will not only stop you, we will not only kill you, we will humiliate you in the way that only a crucifixion could do, of stripping that person literally and allowing them to hang vulnerable, naked for the whole world to look mock, laugh, and say, oh, he thought he was going to do something. And here's this centurion who has done tens, hundreds of crucifixions. But Mark points this out, that this centurion who stood facing Jesus, when he saw the way he breathed his last breath, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. What was that? (laughs) What was that that he saw? What was that that he experienced, that he encountered in the way, right? The way that Jesus breathed his last. Into your hands, Father, I commend my spirit. Or just before that, that he would have said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. What was it in those last breaths, right? Those last breaths. So we remember criminals on the crucifix, they died not from blood loss. They died from suffocation, right? As their hands were up on the cross, nailed in their very palms, their chest cavity would actually collapse in on their lungs. And so every time that they wanted to breathe or to say something, they would have to pick themselves up on the very nails that were driven into their hands and their feet to gasp for breath and to say something. And so every single line that... Jesus offers us on the cross are just packed with intentionality, with purpose, with meaning. And this centurion was able to see who Jesus really is, that he is the son of God and all the hiddenness of his humanity, of the blood, of the torture, of the crucifixion. But it's there that he's able to see and acknowledge him being God. So this is everything, right? To be able to not only see and believe, but to trust. And and encountering this reality that he did this for me. Where do you and I need to, to really look at our own lives and to acknowledge and to examine where we may have something that has not been fully given over to the Lord? And this is not an easy thing to do. I was teaching the RCIA class here at the parish a couple weeks ago, and 
I'm just really grateful for their own honest inquiry into becoming Catholic and their own journey in the faith. And we kind of brought this up looking at especially St. Paul, who very much witnesses to the lordship of, of Jesus Christ by his own life and his own evangelical call to convert and to give God everything. And so we were able to, to talk about like, is Jesus your Lord? Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, is he really? <laughs> like, does he, does he really have access to everything? Oh yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yep. Uh, I, I trust him. I love him. I've given him everything. It's like, okay, how about this? I was like, uh, well, what, what, would, what would that mean? What would that like? And, and what about this? And to kind of like poke through like a couple things, a couple ideas of has everything really been given over to him? I wanted to um, point to you something that I've found really thought provoking and something to meditate on. In 1925, we had a holy Pope Pius XI who promulgated a feast day of Christ the King. And ultimately, it comes down to acknowledging exactly what we're praying in this petition that we would be able to trust the Lord Jesus as being king, as being able to reign over every single part of our, our lives. And so he kind of offers this meditation that I wanted to read through and, and comment on, and hopefully this can be something for all of us to really take to our own prayer and to see where where in our own lives are we maybe holding back? Have we not fully surrendered to the Lord? Here's what he says in this promulgation encyclical called Quas Primas. Quote, the faithful, moreover, by meditating upon these truths, will gain much strength and courage, enabling them to form their lives after the true Christian ideal. If to Christ our Lord is given all power in heaven and on earth, if all men, purchased by his blood, are by a new right subjected to his dominion, if this power embraces all men, it must be clear that not one of our faculties is exempt from his empire. He must reign in our minds, which should assent with perfect submission and firm belief to revealed truths and to the doctrines of Christ. He must reign in our wills, which should obey the laws and precepts of God. He must reign in our hearts, which should spurn natural desires and love God above all things, and cleave to him alone. He must reign in our bodies and in our members, which should serve as instruments for the interior sanctification of our souls, or to use the words of the Apostle Paul, as instruments of justice unto God. Pause there. What a great thing to, to pray with. Does he reign in our minds, in our thoughts, in our um, ponderings, those things, what um, we might be able to hide our, our thoughts from other people, but the Lord has full access to our mind. He knows what we're thinking of. Does he reign over that? Is there anything in our, our mind that really preoccupies us that uh, we can stay up late thinking about or that we always want to talk about and engage with? Is there anything in our, our minds that we give assent to that is not fully given over to him? 
our intellects are made for truth and there are revealed truths in nature and from God himself through the, the church and through revelation. Are there any truths of the faith that I don't fully assent to and agree to? There are some tough, tough truths from the Bible, from the scriptures. Like, do we believe in all of them or do we like to pick and, and choose? And, and if so, then he's not really Lord of our, of our minds. He must also reign in our wills, right? Our wills are the places, the seat of choice and decision about what I think about, how I speak, how I behave. Are we masters of our own hearts, of our wills um, to choose how I'm going to act, how I'm going to behave, what I'm going to pursue? Or am I just ruled by the popular opinion, what's comfortable, what's convenient? Do I avoid what's, what's difficult or what I know I'm called to? At the very heart of our, our will is the ability to choose God's will or to choose my own will. How about our hearts? Those places that's the seat of love, right? And those relationships that are closest to me, family members, friends, romances, interests, pursuits, passions. Believe it or not, we can control who we fall in love with. We, we can make that choice. We, we give our hearts to different people, different places, different things, and, and that can really affect uh, who, who we are and, and how we come to relate to ourselves and to God. And he wants to be Lord of that and to, to give over our hearts as well. And finally, the Holy Father says he must reign in our bodies and in our members. Does the Lord reign over our, our bodies? What does, that, what does that mean? What does it look like? Everything we do in our body matters. The way we treat it, the way we care for it. How about the way that we think about our, our bodies, the things that we accept um, of our bodies, whether it's our own limitations, that I can only be at one place at one time. Do I surrender that to the Lord? The fact that I need to sleep and slow down and rest, that I can't just go all day, that I actually need to eat and drink for sustenance, that I have to go to the bathroom. There's sometimes these are really frustrating things. Like I wish I didn't have to go to the bathroom in the middle of prayer, right? Like that, that inhibits, but like, do I surrender that to the Lord? How about getting old and weak and slowing down? How about suffering in general? Um, my appearance, these different things that I love to have control over and I love it when it's a certain way, but once these things start to go away, right? Do I start to seek to have control over it? Do I get frustrated with the Lord? Why am I still here? Why am I suffering? Or why is it like in a surrender, right? Allowing Jesus Christ to be Lord and to reign means that I give him access to that. And I trust, I pray for this trust today to believe that when I surrender these things over, I have everything that I need. Listen to how the Holy Father concludes this, um, this little paragraph here. And I, yeah so beautiful. He says, if all these truths are presented to the faithful for their consideration, they will prove a powerful incentive to perfection. Pause, because that's what we're aiming for. Be perfect, says Jesus, as our heavenly father is perfect. He means it. That's what we're made for, perfection in heaven. Quote, it is our fervent desire 
that those who are without the fold may seek after and accept the sweet yoke of Christ, and that we who, by the mercy of God, are of the household of the faith, may bear that yoke, not as a burden, but with joy, with love, with devotion, that having lived our lives in accordance with the laws of God's kingdom, we may receive full measure of good fruit, encountered by Christ good and faithful servants. We may be rendered partakers of eternal bliss and glory with him in his heavenly kingdom. End quote. So this is it, brothers and sisters. This is what we're aiming for. This petition captures um, really the heart of this whole litany, the whole novena, is that I would pray for the trust to accept and to surrender my entire life, every single faculty, every single aspect of my life to Jesus Christ, that he might reign, he might be Lord, that I might, like the Blessed Mother, say, Fiat, may it be done to me according to your will, and that I might accept this as a real opportunity to perfection. And I love how Pope Pius XI invites us to see it not as a burden, but as a joy. Have you ever experienced this before? This real joy that comes from accepting the Lordship of Jesus Christ, that whatever's happening, whatever's allowed to happen, whatever may happen, whatever has happened, that I have given myself fully over to the Lord. And I just find in that this freedom that I can actually breathe. I can actually relax and I can actually rejoice in a way that I recognize my life is so not in my own hands. This is so not about me. This is so clearly the Lord who's coming in and doing this. And whether it's in the, the good times, but especially in the, the darker times of, of trial, that we witness to that. We witness to that to others who in the world without faith and without trust are running around in this rat race trying to figure it out, trying to win, trying to succeed, trying to um, fix everything themselves. And, and then all of a sudden the Lordship seems like a real burden. It's not our God. Our God is not a taskmaster. He's not a tyrant. He's not out to control and manipulate every aspect of our life. He's a good father. With Jesus Christ, his son is the true king who desires to reign over every part of our lives. Maybe as we pray this um, litany at the end, we can just really take to heart the words of Jesus Christ to St. Thomas. St. Thomas, who the Lord said, Blessed are you, Thomas, because you believed. But rather, blessed even more are those who have not seen and yet believe. That you and I are blessed by Thomas's incredulity. I need to see. I need to put my finger in his um, hand and the nail marks in his hands and his feet and his finger into his side And it was only that that allowed Thomas to finally proclaim my Lord and my God. You and I not being able to have that same tactile access to the very risen body of Jesus Christ still have access to great blessing, to being able to submit ourselves to the reality of who Jesus Christ is, his victory over all evil, all darkness, all sin, all death, risen from the dead, and that we might give ourselves over in trust to this 
story that has been passed down reliably from one generation to the next, from one saint, one sinner to the next, witnessing to the glory of who he is and who he desires to be for us. Let's turn to the end and pray for this this grace to really trust in the Lordship of Jesus Christ and to say like St. Thomas, my Lord and my God. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The Litany of Trust. From the belief that I have to earn your love, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that I am unlovable, deliver me, Jesus. From the false security that I have what it takes, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear that trusting you will leave me more destitute, deliver me, Jesus. From all suspicion of your words and promises, deliver me, Jesus. From the rebellion against childlike dependency on you, deliver me, Jesus. From refusals and reluctances in accepting your will, deliver me, Jesus. From anxiety about the future, deliver me, Jesus. From resentment or excessive preoccupation with the past, deliver me, Jesus. From restless self-seeking in the present moment, deliver me, Jesus. From disbelief in your love and presence, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of being asked to give more than I have, deliver me, Jesus. From the belief that my life has no meaning or worth, deliver me, Jesus. From the fear of what love demands, deliver me, Jesus. From discouragement, deliver me, Jesus. That you are continually holding me, sustaining me, sustaining me, loving me. Jesus, I trust in you. That your love goes deeper than my sins and failings and transforms me. Jesus, I trust in you. That not knowing what tomorrow brings is an invitation to lean on you. Jesus, I trust in you. That you are with me in my suffering. Jesus, I trust in you. That my suffering united to your own will bear fruit in this life and the next. Jesus, I trust in you. That you will not leave me orphan. That you are present in your church. Jesus, I trust in you. That your plan is better than anything else. Jesus, I trust in you that you always hear me and in your goodness always respond to me. Jesus, I trust in you. That you give me the grace to accept forgiveness and to forgive others. Jesus, I trust in you. That you give me all the strength I need for what is asked. Jesus, I trust in you. That my life is a gift. Jesus, I trust in you. That you will teach me to trust you. Jesus, I trust in you. That you are my Lord and my God. Jesus, I trust in you that I am your beloved one. Jesus, I trust in you. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this episode. To learn more about Dry Bones Ministries, events, and initiatives, and to support this podcast, go to drybonespgh.org. Thanks, and God bless you.